Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening. We have a new interview today um, with an awesome label from Sweden called Punk Slime. I know, you know, a lot of the folks in the indie world are familiar with this label. You've probably seen their cool branding, which is like their name, but without vowels, P-N-K-S-L-M. We talk about that too in this episode. Um, what What a great label. So many cool releases, so prolific so busy they have such a great story um, and it was, it, it was such a good interview um, for me to, to learn from them and to hear about their story um, I want to again and I know I say this on every episode but I want to thank you for reaching out um, all of the folks who have DM'd me on, on on Instagram or emailed me which you can do podcast at otherrecordlabels.com and if I haven't got back to you I'm sorry but thank you so much for the encouraging words and the it, I find it so inspiring to hear um, from folks like you who have been inspired from our previous interviews and our episodes that we've had, hearing from these labels and, and, and taking some of their experiences and applying them to your own label. If you are running a label or thinking about running a label, make sure you've gone to our website, otherrecordlabels.com. There are so many resources there, uh, like our free guide, which has distilled a lot of the information uh, in these episodes, as well as a checklist for if you're starting a record label. And there's some new incredible resources coming this fall that I'm really excited for you to, to, to see. Anyway, thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Punk slime. You guys go by like the abbreviation, but or like, do you always just refer to yourself as punk slime? Um, yeah, the abbreviation uh, is was probably a bad idea, actually. Oh, I it's, think it's great. It's a good logo, but yeah, it's great. Every, logo. Everyone's say it wrong. <laughs> yeah, like oh, really? every time we ever get like radio play or anything, we're always like super psyched, and then they're like. Oh, and that's from the Pink Slim label. <laughs> <laughs> that's or a like good Punk name, though. Slam and... That you know what? Those are all great names. Pink Slime, Pink Slim, yeah. Punk Slam. Those are all fine. I I think those are great. I think what's cool about taking the vowels out is it gets you. It's a shorter name, and it gets you uh, all of like like your .dot com is available and all those different things, which is kind of handy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's good. It's good for a lot of things, just not people saying it right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do you find it hard to reach America? Let's speaking of uh, bad accents. Do you think it's hard to reach America or to get America's attention? Do you even care? Is that something that's, you know, I'm Canadian, so I I feel sometimes I feel like when I you know it's easier for me to get Canadian press. But there's American press that's a little bit more coveted. How do how do you feel about American press and American audience coming from your perspective in, in Sweden? Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a weird question because like when we were starting out, or I mean, yeah, when the label started, like going forward quickly, I guess. Getting like atten- growth was biggest in America. Yeah, getting attention in America was probably the easiest part. Wow. Like, no, no one in Sweden, well, I mean, not no one, but like in Sweden, we had a much harder time getting coverage, like larger media or whatever. I but see. in America, like it went a lot quicker, and we've always had a strong following from there. Yeah, and I mean, press wise, it's weird because when we first started, um, yeah, like the, the, fact the first few releases got pitchfork. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be easy. But then it just got progressively worse <laughs> since yeah. then. Um, is there a level yeah. of intrigue because you guys are from Sweden? Do you think that the, because you're foreign to America that maybe there's a level I there? I think that was part of it. It yeah. started at least. It's like, oh, here's this like, weird little label from a weird little country that no one knows anything about. Um Especially coming after like a couple of years of Sweden, having a lot of like electronic pop, like synth pop stuff. Yeah. Like a lot of those bands got a lot of coverage in America, and then I mean yeah. we came sort of doing the complete opposite. Right. So, yes. And that at helped. the time, at the time there wasn't that much of this sort of stuff coming out of Sweden, I guess. 
or on the not on an international scale at oh, least. Okay, yeah, I mean that's a good point when you're talking about like kind of grunge and lo-fi and punk. Uh, I, what I mean, I I do now that I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think about Sweden and I'm thinking of like electronic music and pop music. Uh, is that pretty much like the cultural uh, export um, when it comes to music from Sweden? Yeah, I mean. I mean, overall, yeah, 100%. I mean, there's obviously outliers, like bands like The Hives and Refused and stuff. Sure. Like, I mean, there is a history, but if you compare it, like the number of like, bands blowing up or like getting big, I think yeah, pop, pop music and like metal are like... Oh, okay. Yes, right, that's true. It's not even just the bands, though, is it? I mean, it's... Oh, I can't remember the statistic. I should have done some more research before this, but... I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like the music industry, isn't like the third biggest export for Sweden? Oh, Something like that? Absolutely no idea. It's, some, it's, oh, it's something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> there is like a big, uh, there's a big like, no, song, songwriters and producers. Yeah, like completely unrelated to what we do, but like Max Martin and like all these like big pop, pop yeah. producers and like songwriters and stuff. And I mean, that's obviously. And K- K-pop actually, that's a weird one. I just found that out a few months ago. Like a lot of like the big, k-pop songs are coming out of studios really? in stockholm interesting yeah. are there lots of labels like you in sweden or or are you the exception there's not um, a lot yeah there's, there's more a, than there was yeah sure and i mean there's a few but yeah no it's not it's not a lot of them yeah yeah what's the population Sorry, I'm quizzing you on all these uh, things. You can make up a number. And nobody's going to check. I'm so bad at numbers. And facts. <laughs> Actually, I know. I know. Do you know? Let's see. 10, 10 million? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was always 9 million when I was growing up, but it's over 10 million. I don't know. It's okay, like 10 and a half. Okay. Yeah. 500 Good. of you. Good. You've passed the test. Yeah. I, mean, I know that. Uh, I, I know that because it's population wise, it's like the same as London. The whole country. Oh, wow. Oh, really? I but didn't then, know that. Yeah, but then the country is obviously like 10 times <laughs> bigger than uh, the whole of England. So, this Spotify is Spotify from Sweden? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's so, that's I mean, so strange. Yeah, no, it was like, I guess streaming was massive here before we sort of got started anywhere else. Wow. Like, so Sweden's been like an almost entirely digital market for a long time now. That's really cool. It's kind of unique. Uh, are there Swedish versions of companies like Spotify or Apple Music where they give more opportunities to local artists and labels? I mean, not really. Uh, I mean, Spotify is obviously Swedish, but they're like a massive global corporation. Now. Yeah. There was, like, before Tidal, there was a company called Wimp. They were, like, oh, they were yeah. like a Norwegian streaming service that, like, I guess, JC bought them, basically. I changed the name. Mm. But they were doing a lot of that when they were starting out, like before that. Just based, well, they were from here, so they didn't I mean, it's tricky though, isn't it? Because I mean, that market, and I mean, literally, I think I'm the only person that I know of in the whole of Sweden that doesn't have a premium Spotify really? account. I don't, I don't anymore. But yeah, interesting. Like, like pretty much everyone. Like, I mean, yeah, and I mean, literally everyone, all the way from like my girlfriend's grandparents will have an account down to like kids like everyone has is there any yeah, like but... national pride in that is it like or is it just i think to a degree yeah, yeah. Well, i mean and they, it was just they were here so soon yeah, just, yeah i see i think def- definitely was like especially at the start and like what 10 years ago i mean i've, I've had a spotify account for over 10 years wow. like, i think it started like 2008 maybe and at the start definitely like now i think people are more like used to like it's just the thing you have like same as you got a broadband connection you got a spotify account in yeah. here speaking of that like from a national perspective here in canada we have grants for the arts community and for the music community from the government we have you know like a, a public radio station that that's um supports canadian music and we, we actually have laws against canadian or or to promote Canadian content and, and quotas that have to be met. Is there something like that in Sweden? Are they are they friendly to the arts? I mean, uh, on, yeah, on, definitely, yeah, yeah. On on the grant side, definitely. Oh, there's a lot of grants you can apply for, and mm-hmm. I mean, we've gotten a whole bunch of grants. That's awesome. Through that, on the radio side, I mean, we do have. Well, I guess the like, if 
you're talking internationally the equivalent of like the BBC. Yeah, but right. There's no quotas, and like, I mean, if you look at their playlist, I mean, they got special shows with it, like specialist shows with it. Yeah, they play like our music and stuff, but overall, like, the playlist is very like international, mm. international, like, major yeah, star definitely. dominated, and then, like, obviously, like, the local massive pop stars as well. But it's not, I don't think there's anything saying like they have to play a certain amount of like Swedish yeah. music or yeah. like from independent labels or anything like that. Do you have any sort of uh, pride in the fact that your label's from Sweden? Do you try to to, to promote that? Uh, or do you feel any responsibility to the community or to the scene where you're at? Yeah, I think so, to a degree. Um, in, a, in a way, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we're definitely not shy about the fact. And, yeah, yeah, we have Stockholm written on all the t-shirts. Right. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I think it's still like a sell point to a certain degree. Probably not as much as it was at the start. But, I mean, I do think it stands out like the way. But an international yeah. label based in Sweden. Hmm. Uh, let's, as we kind of like branch out to the, to, you know, I want to ask you more of a global question, but like if you look at any of the analytics that you're able to see, whether it's from Spotify uh, numbers or your web visits or your or sales where you're shipping things, where are the majority of your customers? Is it equally spread out? Is it mostly America, mostly Sweden? I mean, at the start, and at the start, it was basically like what thirty percent Sweden, thirty percent the UK, and thirty mm. percent the US, and then the rest like ten sure. percent were yeah. yeah all over the place. Sure. And I mean, it's, I'm not sure now, but I think to like a certain degree that's still true. But then, like, yeah. the, like the rest has grown a lot. Mm. So that's uh, that's probably like twenty twenty five percent. That's from like yeah mainly. Other parts of Europe, Australia, Japan, a little bit of Canada, I think. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean cool. Sweden's a big market, but it's for like it's overall it's a small part of what we do, like numbers wise. What is what is shipping like when when you have to ship vinyl to America or or even even to uh, to the UK? Dreadful. Is it? It's well, yeah. I mean, we think it's dreadful. Yeah. And, People paying you think it's dreadful, yeah. but it's really cheap. <laughs> what do you mean? No, have, have you, you mean? cheaper than if, a, if you, a, owning your own no, plane? You're defending the Swedish no. postal system. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, if you if you try to order like internationally from like an American label, like the shipping costs are insane. Yeah, no, actually, think, yeah, that's true. Okay, I, I think see. I, I think uh, it's just like. I mean, we, it's, basically, it's basically the same cost to send it in Sweden as it is to send it internationally. It's slightly more expensive, but it's like ten dollars to send a record to America. Ten dollars to is, ship a record to America? Yeah, that's really and cheap. That's, is yeah, that true? That's, that's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god! I've, I've tried. I've tried like ordering stuff, and then it's like, oh, you buy a record for like fifteen dollars, and shipping's like forty-five. Absolutely. So yeah. why, why are Americans always complaining to us then? Not that part out. Well, I'll tell you why. I think I'm going to learn a lot from this guy as well. I'll I'll tell you why. It's because they can ship a record for like three dollars domestic. Oh, really? I've seen. I've I've been like in the checkout process on Bandcamp with a record, and it defaults to the U.S. and the shipping is like three dollars. I saw that just just a couple days ago. Three dollars for a twelve inch. And then I think okay, it's like, right. yeah. that's mad. I it's think crazy. it's like what seven and a half, eight to ship it in Sweden, like a twelve inch bracket. Are you saying uh, dollars or is that? Uh, yeah, no dollar, okay. dollars. Dollars. I never talk in Swedish crime no, when I'm talking right. to someone from Sweden. Just <laughs> sure. no one, no one knows. Yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, well, it's like two million kroner. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think the worst. Yeah. Um, shipping that i've ever had was sweden or possibly switzerland i can't remember i'm pretty sure it was sweden and i think it was in the range of 50 dollars for one 12 inch and that was that was air so that would but, but i'm pretty sure yeah it was 50 dollars canadian which is probably like 40 us and so and i didn't realize that so i had charged the the fan you know maybe 20 dollars or for international shipping. And so I really ate it there, but, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. I mean, you can get a little bit cheaper, like maybe 20% cheaper if you go by, um, by boat. But then you're basically shipping a record, and it's going to take six to eight weeks to get there. So I feel bad, but you can save, you know, quite a lot of money if you ship by boat. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that existed. Anymore. No, I mean we don't even have that option. Like when we when we decide, it's just like basic shipping. Like you can't you can't say if it's going by air or boat. Okay. Just, yeah, pay for shipping. But then I mean, usually like not now, but. In normal circumstances, it takes like what a week, ten days tops to America. Mm-hmm. But are are you? I know that you guys have a distributor. Are do do fans in America have an opportunity to buy it from some buy some of your your catalog from someone else and not have to buy directly from you? Yeah, yeah. I mean that yeah. was a, that was a really big part of why we wanted to get the uh, worldwide distribution mm-hmm. set up. Um. Yeah, because before we were doing it 100 percent ourselves from the office. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, people were still put off by the shipping prices, even though I now learn that's actually pretty cheap. <laughs> um, well, people will complain about no matter what, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, we were looking to get. Uh, well, our main goal was to try and get American distribution, and then um, in fact, Red, I think Red Eye came to us, didn't they? Yeah, just before, yeah. Just before cool. we started looking. Um, and they were interested in working with us. So, yeah, we started working with them in, what was that, 2000? 2016. 16. Jesus, that's wow. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's made things a lot easier, especially with America. Um, just because we know we can get the records in stores over there. And we don't have to rely on people buying yeah. direct from us. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you guys are you guys are hitting like a you have hit a ten year anniversary, is that right? Or no, we lost uh, track. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's weird now because yeah, nothing's going on. But is this the seven, eight? It's eight years this year, isn't it? No, it's six. No, it's not. No, it's seven. <laughs> two, two, two years ago, we did the, like. Am the, I talking yeah. to the right people? Can you put someone no. else on the line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no well, what it, birthday party were we supposed to have this year? Six. No, seven. Because seven. last year it got cancelled. Because. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, weird reason. Well, you yeah, can't... we missed one. Okay. So we should have had a seventh one this year. Yeah. But yeah, obviously not. Oh, okay, so what year did you guys start? That might be a good place to launch off from 2013 i think i know that one 2013 was the first seven inch yeah okay so how did this all start because i know uh, it started as a blog is that right um yeah so i it was originally just me is that you yelling no i'm I'm not moving (laughs) that's me my chair was rolling um, yeah i'm terrified of moving after you said my mic was not good that sounds good um, um, I'm lost now. What's the question? Sorry, well, uh, tell, tell us the origins of the label. How did everything get started? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, at the start, it was it was me. It was when I was, I was still living in London. Um, I mean, the backstory is kind of long, but a brief summary. Uh, so a friend of mine got arrested in Sweden, actually. Um, driving my old band on tour um, and he was put in jail for a month and then when we got out and um, and we got back to London we wanted to throw him like a release party um, and we yeah so we me and some friends in London organised a show and we got a bunch of bands to play and uh, it was yeah it went really well and then we the venue came to us and said oh do you want to do this on a monthly basis so that was kind of the start of Punk Slime. It was called Punk Slime the night. Um, and yeah, the name's taken. We, me and that same group of friends in London had a, a small blog. I mean, we didn't really do much with it uh, before that. Um, and then, yeah, so I did the club over there. It was a monthly thing in London for probably a year or so before I ended up actually moving to Sweden. 
And were you guys like, was it, these were shows like this in the same type of genre that the label is now? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was all like underground rock and roll stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun and I didn't really make much money off it, but it continued and it was like growing. Um, I didn't yet. Then I moved to Sweden um, and I got a job actually working for a, um, the label was an imprint on Universal. Okay. I was working for the the A and R guys, and uh, so I was getting all the emails every day from all these terrible Swedish bands <laughs> uh, and having to go through them. And then, yeah, one day I got an email from this band that was submitted to the label, um, and I thought, actually, this is pretty good. So I went to see them live. Uh, this was Sudakistan. Uh, mm. from Stockholm that we still work with um, yeah it blew me away the live shows I was like okay well this isn't going to work on Universal it's way too noisy mm-hmm. but um, I'd always sort of had an idea in the back of my head to have like a small sort of label just to do a few seven inches as like a side project kind of thing okay. um, so yes then I did the Sudakistan seven inches as the first release that was yeah 2013 I couldn't think of a name for a label, so I figured I'll just keep the name that we did yeah. Club Night in London from. Um, and then that was like pretty successful for a, a band that no one's heard of. I mean, that was the one like we got Pitchfork straight away, and mm. it sold out on pre-order like really fast. Wow! And then it kind of put me into this false sense of security. Like, yeah, this yeah. is pretty easy. I should it's, do more. <laughs> that's right. Why was it so um, successful? Was it, did they have like something building beforehand or? Um, I mean, gen- no, not, not particularly. In fact, no, they had zero international press wow. before I sort of like wow. came along. Um, that's incredible. They're really, they're really, really special band and especially live. That's like, that was the thing. As soon as I started like working with them, I just took them to England, got them touring England a few times. And then, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they did really well for like the press. For maybe they should have. Maybe they should have signed with Universal. Uh, no, they, they <laughs> wouldn't exist now if they did. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. So then I, I did a few more seven inches after that, um, and then Yeran, you came along somewhere. Around, you were buying the records. I, I, I bought the two first seven inches, yeah. basically, and then I. Well, yeah, I mean, that, one of them was Sudakistan, and then I, I had like had a club night with a couple of friends, and we booked the we booked Sudakistan, and I guess we were DJing together a couple of times because I mean, most of it, everything going on in Stockholm at the time was yeah, like pop stuff, which I was pretty bored with, mm. and then so I wanted to play other kinds of music, and I didn't know anyone else who cared about other kinds of music, I guess. And then, yeah, I think I convinced Luke to let me do PR for free. It <laughs> <laughs> took a long time as well. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, yeah, because I used to write about music. And then I just started like, oh, yeah, maybe I should like try to do PR instead just because I might get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so I convinced. He came to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. So, right. And it took, what, three months? So I think the first release uh, I worked on was the Big Less Big Bird EP, and that was February oh, yeah. 2014. Hmm. So that's a five-year, well, no, six-year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, but then it was a bit of a... There's still a few months where it was still sort of like half-hearted side project kind of thing. And were you running the label while still working at the other label? Uh, at the time, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, somehow I worked year on into a job there as well. Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that cool. was that was weird. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was supposed I was supposed to be like a PR consultant, and yeah, but, it wasn't. It, 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 well. it didn't work out for yeah a lot of good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so we both sort of quit our jobs. Like that. Yeah, were they cool with it, you running like a side label? Um, yeah, it just made them look ten times cooler than they were. Oh, okay. <laughs> um but yeah and then we sort of had this thing was like okay we're both unemployed yeah and like things were kind of going well for the label and building up pretty fast so we're like okay do we try and get jobs at major labels or should we 
trying to do our own thing. Trying to do our own thing. Uh, so, yeah. Was that – when? did that when motivate you, that, you when, when you quit your jobs? Like, were you motivated to, to make it work for Punk Slime just because you didn't want to have to get a proper job? Um, yeah, partly. In, I mean, in part, and then also it was going – like we like we'd been doing it as like side projects, like having like full time work doing other stuff and it was still going really, really well. And we had no distribution or anything in place at that time as well. So it's like, okay, if we actually did put hundred percent into this, maybe we could almost pay rent. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean this was twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of like the rebirth or whatever or when we like that was when we fully went like head first into it what do you attribute uh the success to have you thought about that back then um you know like what was it do you think really good bands yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i mean yeah like having really good bands and i think we came through at like a good time as well just like press wise, we were able to get a lot of like attention in like, international press really quickly, yeah. despite not having distribution, like not having no lead times, no nothing, mm. just sort of making up as we went. And that also eventually like sort of blew back into Sweden where people after a while were a bit like, okay, so why are these guys getting like attention from Pitchfork and Stereogum? And yeah. we've, we've never like opened an email from them. Wow. And then, yeah, that sort of kept rolling. Let's talk about the music. I was pouring over as much as I could today. It it takes a, a day and a half to dive into everything you yeah. have. <laughs> I, I've always, I've loved that, that High Sun record. You know that. Uh, Magic Potion are incredible. Probably my favorite. Um, I just started listening to Hater, and, and I have to dig more into that. They all sound different in their own way, but to me, there is a connecting thread. Uh, what do you look for in a band? Um, I mean, in all honesty, it's just if both of us absolutely love it, then yeah. we'll go for it. Sure. Um, and I guess our taste kind of, I mean, our tastes aren't 100% in line with each other all the time. <laughs> no, I, think, uh, I think we like a lot of different stuff, but then there's also a lot of stuff we do agree on. And I guess. Do you have, yeah. To, yeah. You have to agree on something to sign it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of times where one of us have been really excited about something, and then you can sort of tell when the other one isn't. Like, oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah, and then those sort of <laughs> usually me. Those sort of those all all like end up with yeah, it's cool. And then yeah, hmm. we never move forward. I mean, it's obviously it's a lot. Every record we do, even if it's like just an EP or whatever, it's everything we do it takes a lot of time and yeah essentially it's i mean we don't make money really but it's like it's a commitment everything we do and if yeah if one of us is not 100 percent sold right before we started then it's just it's not gonna work Mm. so where where are you finding these bands is there is it you're going to see them live are they emailing you um is it do you do a, a deep dive on Bandcamp? Um, it's a bit of a mix, really. Um, I mean, at the start, I think it was sort of like, I mean, it's been sort of growing naturally. Because at the start, it was, I mean, it was bands you already knew from the UK, Luke. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, there was like stock, like Swedish bands who sort of got in touch through each other. And then, I mean, as we got a lot of, yeah, like press, then sort of bands sort of started emailing a bit more, like bands with no connection to us already. Hmm. But it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a mix. Like Some bands are just like blind emails that we've listened to. Like, this is amazing. A lot of <laughs> yeah. bands are like related to a band we've already got or yeah. it's friends with someone or, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, some bands are just bands where like seen live or like booked as a support band and been blown away by. But I think there's been a couple that we found like just randomly on. I think Angelic, Angelic Milk. That was a band camp find. Yeah, that oh, was cool. just. Actually, no, I think it was Instagram. <laughs> was it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, it's fun to have those different, like a variety of ways to discover music. 
Yeah. And I mean, we, we, we do get a lot of emails now. Yeah, from bands, I imagine. But um, it's, and I mean, it's tricky because like we, we used to have this sort of like unwritten policy where we would definitely listen to everything we got. Um, it's just, but nowadays that's just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you still have to sift through it, right? Because there could be something really special in there. I mean, we read all the emails. Yeah, for sure. It's just we don't. It's just we don't. We don't have time. Like you don't, there's literally not time in the day to listen yeah. to everything. So you sort of. I mean, we listen to a lot of it. But yeah, yeah, that's not all funny. of it. And then the really bad ones will take screenshots of it and send to each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah especially that. like yeah, in Sweden. Like, I guess like we're kind of like a big independent label here now. Yeah, like, there's not a lot of independent labels in general, so it's not. We're not big, really. Big fish, but, small pond. But we've got a couple of big, yeah, we've got a couple of big bands at least. And that, when they sort of get national press, like the days after, we just get swamped with emails from right. bands who's obviously never heard anything on the label. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of weird stuff. There's something I really appreciate about labels with huge catalogs because it's fun to dig through everything in one place, like a record store almost. That's how I found today, just going again through your your site. Uh, are you conscious about how your roster is perceived by fans as a whole? Do you do you try to keep things consistent or connected in any way? Uh, I mean, we don't put too much thought into it, to be honest. Um, I mean, there's definitely a few things we released when we've been like, are people going to think we're going crazy with this? Um, but I mean, generally everything we've done, I think has always had a good reception. And yeah, I think that's I mean, one of the benefits. I think that's probably why a few bands like want to sign with us because they know we have sort of um, trusted taste or whatever. Yeah. So there's, there's people that will probably listen to something that we put out maybe they necessarily wouldn't listen to I mean other I think, times. No, I think that's like a big advantage for us that we do have like a lot of followers as the label. Mm-hmm. Like where people were like if we sign a new band we like no it's done nothing. Like there's still gonna be a lot of people checking them out. Yeah. On yeah. the label, which is great. And I mean I mean we're obviously aware sort of what tends to go better, like among I guess like the core Bands. but then that's not it's not like we try to sign bands that we think are going to do well with the people who's already listening to us we just hope they will think the same as we do right 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 right. and, uh, and i think by, like I think by now i mean it, i guess it was different a couple of years ago when or what well, five years ago when we started off just doing like garage punk stuff yeah. and then when we sort of drifted into like more indie pop it was a bit like oh are people going to be freaked out by this or but I mean, it's, everyone's sort of. I think by now people know that, like, okay, it's, you might get something a bit unexpected. Yeah. Hmm. Your your genres I normally associate with vinyl and cassettes and Bandcamp, but I'm curious what role streaming plays for you, and especially as it's a, a you know one of your uh, like a. Spotify comes from you guys is is um, from a lot of labels like you streaming is an afterthought but do you have a strategy with streaming is that is that something that you put a lot of thought into uh, I mean we kind of have to to a degree but I mean I think it's definitely a big thing for us mm-hmm. like it is like one of the key things towards like the label surviving but then I mean strategy wise like I don't, there's not that much we can do in a way. I see. Because I mean, there's not that many. Like, if you look at Spotify, it's not like they've got a million playlists focused on like weird lo-fi garage stuff. Yeah, it's true. Then like we can't like, but obviously like overall and with some of the bands, that's obviously a key thing. With other bands, like we sort of know, yeah, this won't get any playlists. And then sometimes the stuff we think will get really good playlist gets nothing and then some weird lo-fi garage stuff gets massive yeah yeah that's I've yeah, seen yeah that there's too. no way of knowing really like yeah there's definitely been a few things in our special last year too when we've been like okay this is gonna like this is gonna go wild on the playlist yeah and then, and then just nothing. nothing 
That's interesting. And then we'll get a random song, like a B-side from a release, like four years ago, would suddenly get put on, like a Mexican cycling playlist or something, and yeah. then suddenly start getting <laughs> thousands of followers. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen acoustic versions of songs do better than the original versions of songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Muddy Parish has got some weird song. Like, it's not a weird song, but it's like a weird, I think it's a Brazilian video with like the lyrics translated. It's got more streams on YouTube than anything. <laughs> they go on Spotify and they stream like very good like, mm. from, compared to most of our bands. Yeah. But that, that sort of just came out of nowhere. Yeah. They've got no idea like how that happened. Well, it's good that you have, you know, you aren't, um, treating it like an afterthought that you do put a, um, a little bit of effort. Of course it is like, um, it's a mystery to everyone how it works and how to be successful at it. But, um, you would, I just kind of generally assume, you know, some of these DIY labels and punk labels to be more focused on merchandise and, and seven inches and, and some of the more tangible elements, but, uh, that's yeah. cool to hear. I mean, I think we're sort of split between the two. At the start, it was definitely like what you described. Like the first yeah. couple of years, like we didn't pay any attention to any of that. So like sometimes we didn't even put a single on like Spotify. We just yeah. put it on SoundCloud, like in the really early days. But then, yeah, as we sort of noticed that there were a lot of people listening to us that we sort of put more effort into it. Yeah, I remember I mean, actually I'm, the first few releases I didn't want to put on Spotify. I wanted it to be like vinyl only. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then yeah, when I had to convince you, like, no, this is like the worst idea you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We had that. We had that fight in like 2014. I, think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember. I, I have this like. I should dig out the email, but we got an email in back in 2011. We had this electronic artist on our label, and we got an email from Spotify. And this was before Spotify was in Canada, and I'm pretty sure it's even before Spotify was in America. I'm not sure when they came to America, but. Right. Uh, in, in 2011, we got an email from Spotify saying that they wanted to put this one song on one of their playlists. And I was like, whatever. I totally disregarded it. I hadn't even really heard of Spotify. I'd kind of vaguely heard of them. But it was like, to me, it was one of those, like, one of the many, many streaming platforms after Napster. And so I was just kind of like, whatever. And yeah. it's just funny to me now. And it probably it probably did pretty well. Like, it probably got more streams than, than had it not. Um, but it's just funny now, like... I would I would die to get an email from Spotify asking to be put on a playlist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ten years later, that's funny. Uh, there are so many things that a label can do when it comes to like, you know, we've even talked about part of your history of like live shows and parties, and and then you have streaming and 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 vinyl and cassettes and stuff. I'm curious after over these past, you know, six or seven years of doing so much, is there one or two things that you have found to work the best for you um, financially, but not just financially, you know, just pushing your label forward in general? Has there been something that has, has consistently uh, done well for you guys? I mean, yeah, and we learn it the hard way, but um, just be organized. Okay. Um, yeah. Give yourself, <laughs> give yourself like the proper lead times. Yeah. Because um, we were really bad at that before we signed to Red Eye for distribution. We we're kind of just it'd be a free for all. Just release stuff like a week or two after we received it, and it was just. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. We even like, we put the release dates before we we were able to order the vinyl and just. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, at the start, we yeah. had no we had no money for the vinyl. It was basically like uh, we never told anyone, but it was a it was like an unofficial Kickstarter campaign. I would just <laughs> announce the record. We do like deluxe packages with t-shirts, so you could charge like 40, 50 euros for it. Yeah. Um, and just give a very vague release date, and then they just pray you'd sell fifty deluxe packages. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just that, that works was, well until it didn't. <laughs> and, well, I mean, that, that was sort of at the time where we weren't like pitching like long lead magazines or anything either. Oh, you okay. could sort of, it, it didn't matter what the exact release date was. You could just say, oh, I expected no. to ship out, like whatever. But then when we started, yeah, like, oh, yeah, this like we, an actual album campaign, like free singles, like pitch for review three months ahead, so we had to have a release date. Uh huh. 
and then that didn't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> and that, that was a really good thing about signing the Red Eye for distribution because they're obviously really strict about. I mean, they're, lead, they're lead big, big company. We they sort of taught us that we had to focus on it, and it's great for us as well because we get the, like you get someone else saying you should do it this way. And yeah. Then yeah. What do they require we, from you now? What What is their lead times now? I mean, the bare minimum is three months, right? Wow. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, for our, our bare lead time is three months. It's good, as we need to have the vinyl with them in like a certain date ahead of the release date. Right. So it's like a three-month campaign, like three months minimum. Now, I mean, we often work like four to six months now or even longer yeah. sometimes, which like a couple of years ago would have seemed insane. Right. But so four to six that, months to have the the record in hand from the band, like the masters, you mean? Yeah. Masters, artwork, you know, like all that stuff. Wow. And that, yeah. I mean, yeah, the way, well, I mean, that's for a physical release, obviously, but yeah, yeah that's the main takeaway like, that actually works. Like if you've got enough time to do a good job, you'll have a much easier time doing a good job. Yeah. No, I found that too. And and anytime that I've had um, a really generous lead time, like, like you said, three or four months with the album completely done, like the press package, everything, I feel like so many more opportunities came my way. So many more great things happened for the record. And, and, and at the same time, I just felt much less stressed <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a big big part of it is that you're not like massively stressed all the way through the campaign yeah so like you can actually like yeah have ideas about stuff instead of just like trying to chase what you should have done like four weeks ago there's such a professionalism too i think when it, it just makes you look more impressive than when you're emailing a blog and saying i have a record coming out this friday <laughs> you know yeah yeah um, yeah. No. Do you guys have a, a, like a mission statement, or you know, we're talking about organization, but uh, from a bigger, more ph- philo- philosophical uh, level, do you have a mission statement or some sort of north star that you two um, work off of, or or, or that helps kind of guide you and tells you what to say no to and what to say yes to? Um. <laughs> um. Maybe that's a bad not, question for not, a punk label. I mean, not not officially. Yeah, I, we've never thought about it yeah. today, actually. <laughs> or until, until 30 seconds before this call. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were both thrown off when well, I you, saw the message. Yeah. I was like, damn. <laughs> well, that's okay. You can get back <laughs> to me. We need to think of a mission statement now. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, in general, I, I mean, there's no way to answer that without sounding cliche, but... Um, yeah, just got to be like true to yourself. Sure, and yeah. Believe in what you're working with, and um, I, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know the recipe for whatever small level of success we've had, but uh, well, there must be something to the fact that there must be something to you guys and to label owners in general, because when I ask a lot of label owners say that they don't have a consistent aesthetic or a consistent sound, but I hear it. And, and, and when I ask a lot of people what their A&R strategy is, you know, most people don't have an official A&R strategy. I I think there is just something about it's you, it's both of you guys, it's your tastes, it's what you like and what you think is great. And it just so happens that, the fans who follow you agree with you and are, are similar to you. Yeah, I think that's pretty much on point. Okay. Yeah, I think it's I mean, maybe more of a subconscious thing as well. Yeah, yeah. right. And, um, and I mean, so, I mean, is, yeah, so, yeah go no, I think that's like the cool thing about like indie labels in general, like totally. the smaller labels, is that you can actually like, it, does, it doesn't have to sound the same, like there's no like corporate strategy saying you're supposed to do this <laughs> yeah. and this. yeah. But, like, you can still tell, like, there's something leading it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's the partnership like? Is is there, you know, what's it like having two leaders? Do you guys divide the roles? Um, I mean, yeah, some stuff. As much as possible, but it, it, it definitely bleeds over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We don't think, really have set. I mean, we don't have titles or right. anything like that. I'm the CEO. No, you know. 
actually, no one's the CEO. We don't have a CEO. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, we, um, I mean, it's even though we sort of operate on a, like a higher level than we used to, it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot more DIY than I think a lot of people realize. And I mean, the, yeah, when we do a lot of stuff that, that you wouldn't expect, I mean, I mean, yeah, here when, I guess you focus or used to focus more on the PR side of things generally. Yeah. Um, but yet now we kind of, we both sort of do everything. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess like organized, like disorganized organization. I don't know. Like, I mean, a lot of it, organized uh, chaos. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, not that organized, but slightly. <laughs> no, but I think like one of the key things is like, I don't think, I don't think either of us could do this alone. Oh, that's great. So, and I mean, it's like a constant stream of messages going back and forth about everything. Uh, do you guys live near, near each other? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're both in the same city. Do you work together like in, in, in the same office? Normally, yeah. Normally, yeah. Normally, yeah. Obviously, for obvious reasons, but yeah, yeah, we got, yeah, we got an office, like 15, 10 to 15 minutes from both of us. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's Uh, quite a big thing to actually have, uh, over yeah, the place of work over the the uh, yeah for sure over the past you know six years and especially in the past just six weeks um there's a lot of there's been a lot of change in the music industry things are always in flux and you know like we're talking about streaming and that's blown up since its early days in your country and 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 then of course now with with covid and the lockdown and the shutdown are are you still motivated? Are you still um, excited to be running a label? Um, do you are you excited about the future of the label? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, we're not going to know like the full repercussions of all this for probably some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, at first we were. Yeah, we were both freaking out when this. I mean, first first week was like, oh, everything's going to hell. Like, we're gonna <laughs> yeah. be bankrupt in two days. Like, yeah, yeah. we were looking for massive payments. Like, oh hell. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess for us it's tricky because we don't. We're definitely not at a level where we just have like one main source of income. Like, we get money from like so many like satellite things that we do. And, yeah. Like we put on shows and the parties and we. Yeah, just all these little income sources coming in, Spotify, vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we're at least, like, yeah, it's been going like long enough that we're in a position at least where we've got a catalog that's like bringing in money and we've got fans. So, I mean, if you were just starting out when this happened, like, you'd probably be even scarier than yeah, this now. Sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. But at least like, we've got a bit of like sense of security and like people do have a lot of like this, we've had a lot of support over the past two months. Which, yeah, and yeah. yeah, especially like this band camp day thing they've been I was, doing. I was going to ask you, yeah. how was that? I mean, uh, we made, we're probably making like a month in wow. one day. Unbelievable! Yeah. Like the last one, it was crazy. Like we were looking at the numbers, like at lunchtime, like yeah. Do you think we could hit this today? And then oh my god! By the end of the day, we were like triple that, and yeah. Was, what yeah, did they nuts. do? That was it, like. Like three million, four million, or something in sales, or something. I think it was like four million the first time, and seven. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like that is insane insane for one day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, especially where everyone's saying like no one wants to buy music anymore. Yeah, that's pretty mad. That's crazy. That's happening in like one day. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean to think too, like that's them. That's them giving up like six or seven hundred thousand dollars. In, you know, for yeah, one I day. mean, for them, it's genius PR. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, I had family members that I didn't think they'd ever heard of Bandcamp, and <laughs> they were sharing it on Facebook, like, "Oh True. yeah, buy my True. like nephew's record on Bandcamp." Yeah. The, the horrible man's not taking a fee, but no one knows what the fee is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the PR value from yeah from that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's always. true. Yeah. Uh, no, that's incredible. It's great to hear that it was, it was good for you guys. And um, 
man, it's really going to trounce on record store day. It's just such an easier thing than, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> especially for, for them to support, for fans to come and support your existing catalog. That's what's so great about the day. Now, a lot of people are starting to make music for these days and special releases for these days, but the, in the mm. first two, it was it was awesome to have fans just come and buy stuff from your back catalog. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, that was the majority of our sales. It was it was like the records we probably wouldn't have expected would yeah. be selling a lot of. Yeah. It was like, oh no, no one's bought this record in six months, and now we just sold ten. Like it's yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's a big deal for us, especially as I mean, yeah, we went a bit we went a bit over optimistic maybe when we first signed to Red Eye and had worldwide distribution. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're going to be in every record store ever. We should start pressing like 1,000, 2,000 vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we sat on quite a lot of catalogs. <laughs> that that worked <laughs> great for two releases. And then <laughs> we, had, we, we had a bit of extra vinyl lying yeah. around. Yeah. And CDs, man. That's yeah. your fault, Johan. 100%. Uh, <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> what, are, what's the, uh, what are CDs like in Europe? Because I know there's still some countries that still buy a I lot mean, of CDs. I think I think they are still big in like continental Europe, I guess. Yeah. In the UK as well, like you could sell quite a lot of CDs hmm. in Sweden. Like I mean, overall, like the kind of stuff we do, we don't sell CDs except like if the band's touring in like Germany or yeah. whatever. Okay. Uh, in Sweden, yeah, we don't. I mean, in general, we don't sell CDs. Yeah. That's but the we, we made, But we we did try. We made the mistake when we had a game when we signed to Red Eye. We're like, we can sell thousands of CDs. That's so cheap. Let's do it. <laughs> and then of course, it's, it's the same price to make a thousand as five hundred. Yeah, obviously that's true. To make a thousand, but if you sell one hundred fifty, <laughs> didn't yeah. really help. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone wants some CDs, yeah. send us a message. It's yeah. It's hard to throw out CDs, but there's lots of people throwing out boxes of CDs. guys it's been so great to talk with you i'm i'm such a fan of your label it was a pleasure to go through the um you know your playlist today on spotify and be reminded of all the great stuff you've done and and please keep doing it thanks man appreciate it and thank you for listening their website is pnkslm.com and their bandcamp is pnkslm.bandcamp.com so make sure you check them out after you've done that visit our website otherrecordlabels.com and thanks for being a listener